Edogen can't sleep. Every day he has breakfast. Oh, that's Dan. Every day he goes to work. Every day he comes home. You're losing your mind, Ed. One day he comes home early. That night, he takes a drive, and Diana falls into his life. I have something they want. It's worth a great deal of money. Let's not do anything rash, Ed. This is just too weird for me. I was his mistress. Jeff Goldblum. Why can't I sleep? Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm one of the bad guys. Into the Night. A dangerous romance. Into the Night. The new film from John Landis. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host Scott White. I am here once again with my good friend Steph DeWagoner. Hi everybody. And we are talking about the 1985 action thriller comedy Into the Night. Starring Jeff Goldblum, Michelle Pfeiffer, Dan Aykroyd, David Bowie, and a host of people I know that person. Yeah, it's it, it is it is a cavalcade of cameos, which is very John Landis. Yes, it is very John Landis. Who directed this movie? It came out in 1985. Was not a box office hit. I think it made back its budget. I think it's gone on to be a a cult classic, which I think it deserves. And I feel this is a a buddy thing for Dan Aykroyd. I think John Landis has said, hey, I'm directing because Dan Aykroyd is in maybe the first 10 minutes of the movie and then he's gone. And that's it. And, And this is when he was big. This was the year after Ghostbusters. So he's at the top of the mountain at this point. He's he's a box office draw. He's, he had uh, trading places and Ghostbusters, so he's he's really a big name in Hollywood right, right. now. Right, I was going to say, this des- definitely comes post-Blues Brothers, post-Trading Spaces. Trading Spaces. Trading, trading places. places. Yes, and uh, yeah, he wasn't on the HDTV right. makeover show. Uh, and so it's definitely a John Landis, hey, pal, would you do this part. They wisely put Dan Aykroyd in the trailer. I watched the tra- after I watched the movie last night, I watched mm-hmm. I always think it's fun to watch the old trailers. He's in the trailer, so it makes it seem like he has a bigger part. Um it wouldn't surprise me if there's footage later where Jeff Goldblum maybe calls him or something like where I thought because I have seen this before. This I think this might have been one of the first rated R movies I saw on HB. I didn't see it in the movie theater. But I, I, we had, I, I saw this on HBO or Showtime, one of those two channels. The only two things I remember about this movie is the scene with David Bowie, and we'll talk about that, and the scene where this woman adjusts her boob in a swimsuit. Those are the only two. So <laughs> this is... That's not even R-rated content, though. That's just her looking in the mirror like... Right, but for some reason, I guess... You know, I mean, there are naked boobies. There in are the naked boobies in here. I was at the, the peak of my 
horniness as a, as a, you know as a teenager. Maybe that's why I remember it. But then I don't remember I don't remember any of the, the other boobs in the movie. Right. There are some other like playmates, Playboy playmates yes. in this movie. There's a bunch of other like movie directors that yes. are in this movie. There's we'll get to that in a, in we'll a minute get for sure. To it. I will say and thank you for having me back on again. I always enjoy being <clears throat> on this podcast. And this when you asked me to do this movie. I was 100% yes, because this is actually one of my, like, favorite, like, le- like, like guilty pleasure favorite movies that... Um, well, it should be a guilty pleasure. Not this even is a guilty good, pleasure. This is a good movie. This is a good movie. This yeah. is one that I would absolutely stop and watch when it's on. Mm-hmm. Most of the time... Nowadays, you pretty much have to kind of seek it out, rent it on Prime or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's a, it's just a good movie. I love Jeff Goldblum. We're both big Jeff Goldblum fans. Yeah, and Michelle Pfeiffer. I've, I've, I, you know, I've always enjoyed Michelle Pfeiffer, and this is still pretty early in this her career. This is early career. in her. Cr- I think this is like right after Grease too. Right. So this is just now her getting into kind of the leading lady, leading lady status. Roles. But she's, you know, she's beautiful. She's. There's a scene um, without makeup. She was a classic beauty. She was a, a scene where she is just totally makeup free, and she is just still beautiful and yep. gorgeous. Yeah, uh, in that scene. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is a this is a fun movie. There's good music in this movie. You know, we both like WKRP in Cincinnati, yep. and one of the frustrations with watching that in syndication now is they didn't get the they didn't licensing get the for the music. So there's all this weird sound alike music in it. And one of the things I was thinking last night when I was watching this movie is there's good music in this movie. It's BB King because John Landis directed this, and he of course directed the Blues Brothers and. And Dan Aykroyd is a big blues fan. So, yes, the soundtrack is great. The B.B. King's Into the Night and the clo- the music over the closing credit. Damn, I can't remember the song. Uh, yeah, it's just a, the soundtrack is just wonderful. You get that, you know, just over the opening credits, Into the Night. It's, yeah. it's a very 80s movie, I it's think. It's a very 80s movie. But not 80s in the sense of, like, Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink, but... There's just the bad guys are Iranian, Iranian, Persian, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Very eighties. It's very, it's not stereotypical, but in the eighties, the Russians were always bad guys, or the Persians were always the bad guys. It was very cut and dry on who was the the bad people. Right. There was there was no shades of gray like there are now. Right. Right. Um, and if you notice something, this is before. Uh, Jeff Goldblum got his teeth fixed. Yes. This was his pre... It was, And I don't think he needed to get his teeth fixed. I but. was already an early, like, young teenage fan of Jeff Goldblum because I remembered seeing him in Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. And Vereen. Yes. And I had also seen him in a in a movie of where he played Ichabod Crane uh-huh. for The Headless Horseman. So I was already a Jeff Goldblum fan. Little do we know what was on the horizon for him. So I remember watching this movie on HBO also. That's the first time I saw this it. This was a year before The Fly. Yes. And I think The Fly is what catapulted him. Well, and if you want, I won't go into all the details, but if you go to IMDb, you go to this movie, you go to trivia, there's some great trivia on there about who this role was offered to prior to Jeff Goldblum. He was not the first choice. Um, but you're going to see names like Jack Nicholson, and I can't even imagine this movie with Jack Nicholson. No. To me, this movie is so perfect for Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so where do you, where do we want to start? We'll start on? at the beginning. Yep, yep, yep. Where Jeff Goldblum, he's an insomniac. 
I feel like you could relate to this. I could movie. relate to that. <laughs> I thought of you again when I was watching this. He I was can't like, can't sleep. I was he, like, you could relate to this he's character. He's an insomniac. And he comes out and his wife has prepared breakfast. And she's like, is everything okay? He's like, oh yeah, everything's okay. Yeah, why aren't you sleeping? I don't know. I'm not. Is it something I'm doing? So she seems like an attentive wife. Then a horn blows and it's her... A guy Co- from co-worker, work, a co-worker. Carpooling. And then within the minute that car blew, a car horn blew, and Jeff Goldblum looks outside and goes, okay, she's sleeping with that guy. Well, and, I, 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 and it's not that I remembered it right. from before. It's just like, I, I, I know that's what's going to happen. Well, and it's established that he's having some kind of an issue for a while. Like, yeah. he, he, you, doesn't it open with him just like kind of staring at himself in the mirror? Yeah. Just this, this kind of just blah, you know? Everything's brown and beige, by the way, at this point, too. Everything's beige, brown. <laughs> he's all dressed in brown and beige. So everything's real just... And she's dressed colorful. So. Every, everything's just kind of blah, yeah. you know? And you think it's almost like the opening of uh, one of these movies where... Um, oh, You're doing it again. Every yeah, time I we know, get on here. I what's know. the name of that so movie? Falling that I'm, Down. The one with Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Falling Down. Yeah. Where you think it's going to be this, you know, guy that's you know going to have some kind of, like, I don't know, revenge. Or, you know, he gets in the traffic. Like, you think he's going to crack. That's what you think is maybe going to oh. happen. You know? But he doesn't crack. He right. gets into the car, and he picks up Dan Aykroyd. So we see we see traffic, and Dan Aykroyd is is talking to him, and they get to work, and you know Dan Aykroyd offers him some advice. He talks about what's the problem with his wife, and he right. offers him some advice. So you're lying in bed, you can't sleep. I mean, I don't see the problem. You get up, you go to the airport, catch the midnight flight to Las Vegas. Nobody sleeps there. Oh, very funny, her. No, no, listen, I'm serious. What you need is some action. I'm not a gambler. Don't gamble. Have a few drinks. See a show. Get loose. Get laid. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm sure Ellen would love it. She'll be home before she wakes up. Sex isn't the problem. When was the last time you fucked your wife? You're a classy guy, Herb. Up in Vegas, there's a beautiful young girl named Melissa. She will do anything you want for $200 an hour. $200? Anything you want. For example? Well, anything. If you want, she'll dress up like Santa Claus. Won't she bring me a pony? You're having trouble with this concept. I'm talking about a universe of infinite possibility. No such thing. The only limits are money and imagination. Sorry, I'm a little short on both. Hello, Fielding. Uh, how much would I have to pay one of these women for some sympathy? Sympathy? Very kinky, yet. I'll see you at lunch. So how come when they're carpooling, it's okay, but why do you assume, why did you assume right off the bat that the wife carpooling was, uh, she was having sex with her coworker? I didn't think she was, I didn't think Jeff Goldblum was having sex with Dan Aykroyd. No, I know, but like carpooling to save gas in LA and everything, I'm just curious like why you just immediately assumed that she was uh, it's around. Because that's a plot point. That's a movie plot point. In L.A., people do carpool, but it was just the way... No, it's the way he's looking in the it's window. It's the, the way he looked yeah. out the window. He was... And and he brings us up. She says, good day. You know, have oh, a good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like he that. He says, I expect more from my wife than, like, what have, I would get from a bank teller. Yeah. yeah. And then we're at work for a little bit, and he's... Everything's still brown and Everything's beige. still brown, and everything is lit darkly. Yeah. and Like Joe versus the Volcano. Like Joe versus the Volcano. So he's fucking up at work. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and take a nap. And I'm like, okay, now I know for sure. Right, 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 right. He's like, I'm gonna go. He talks to Dan Aykroyd. He says, I'm gonna go home and take a nap. Nap. Can you get a ride home from somebody else? Dan Aykroyd says yes. He turns to his coworker and says he hasn't been sleeping. Boom, gone. 
He's gone for the rest of the movie. So, and this movie is two, about two hours long. So Dan Aykroyd is in the first ten minutes of this movie, and I guess that that might have been a week's shoot, if that. I have a theory though about his role because you really could have gotten by without it at all. They could have just as much shown Dan Aykroyd sitting in you know Los Angeles bumper to bumper traffic, driving to work, having thoughts in his head, listening to some radio program. You you could have gotten by with Dan, without Dan Aykroyd in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Except I think the purpose was to show Dan Aykroyd is living the same life as Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. and he's dealing with it. He's yeah. accepted it. He's, he's he's happy. He's Dilbert. I mean, he's, he's not happy, but yeah. It's... Right. He's got his little thermos of coffee. He's got his lunch and he's... And, and, and this is what he does day in, day out. And maybe he every once in a while he flies to Vegas and gets with a hooker. And, and so he's not looking... Dan Aykroyd's not searching for some great meaning in his life where Jeff Goldblum is frustrated, yeah. can't sleep, and, you know, doesn't know what he's on the planet for. So he goes home and he catches his wife in bed with the co-worker. It's pretty crafty how they do it, too. We don't actually ever see it. We see a flash see, in his so, Yes. So we don't ever he He recognizes his car. He walks up to his bedroom window and we hear them having sex. It's a really nice transition because he's sitting in his car, stone-faced, looking at the car. He gets out of the car. He goes to the window. He, he, come, he No emotion. No reaction at all. One way or the other. Right. He goes back to work. He nods off. He sees them having sex, and he wakes up. And then the next scene is him at home. And here's the thing. She's having an affair, but she's not distant. She seems like an attentive wife. So she's it, trying to give him ice cream. She's trying to give him ice cream. She's trying to find out what he's doing. And he, at this point, he knows he knows what's going on, but he doesn't say a word. Well, maybe she's having an affair because he's distant and frustrated and not sleeping. You know what I mean? Because she's offered a couple times, like, hey, anything I can do? Yeah. So not to, de- not to defend her, but it, it, it all seems to be symptomatic of whatever's going on with him. Well, now, then there's a scene in bed where... They're in bed together. Do you think they had sex? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yes. I, I think she, well. and I think she probably did a lot of the work and he just was kind of went through the motions and it still didn't mm-hmm. solve whatever's wrong with right. it, right? Right? Cuz she it looks like they've had sex. Looks she's like asleep had sex and he's and laying there dead awake, you know. So he takes Dan Aykroyd's advice and he drives to the airport. Yep. He's going to catch a plane to Vegas, apparently. Uh, he's sort of just going through these motions. I don't even think he really knows he does, what he yeah. wants to do. Like, they, he sits there at the stoplight too long. Mm-hmm. Like, but at this point, he's so zoned out. He's mm-hmm. so out of it. I don't think he really knows what to do. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of scenes in this movie where I thought his reaction should have been bigger. But then I realized he hasn't slept in days. Right. And he is zoned out. Right, so, and I thought, okay, now it does make sense that he didn't overreact because he just doesn't have it in him. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So he gets into the parking lot of, I in L, they're in L.A. I, LAX, and he's sitting in his car, and this is when we're introduced to Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, it's uh, he's you know he's sitting there in the airport. He's debating park. what to do. Should I get a plane to Vegas or should I just go back home and yeah. just resume my? Life? I will say to the credit of this movie, this all kind of clips along pretty well. There's yeah. not a lot of exposition. Like we really get to this. Mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of a meet cute. I don't know. It's yeah. a meet cute, meet cute of sorts. Um, but we get to this pretty quickly. Yes. So he's sitting there. Okay. 
So here comes Michelle Pfeiffer all dressed up. She's got a nice looking man with her. Um, he's carrying some bags. They're coming out of the elevator. All of a sudden, like a, a what was it, a Mercedes or a, a BMW or something, something pulls like that. up. And they, four per, Iranian bad guys. Three, three Iranians and John Landis. <laughs> John Landis. So this is one of the best things about this movie. John Landis is one of the bad guys in this movie. And he does not speak a word. He's hilarious, though. He's hilarious, but he doesn't speak a word. Yeah. All the other ones are speaking in Farsi or whatever language that, yeah. they're, that, they're, that they speak in. But John Landis, and I don't know, I don't think he's trying to pass himself off as... I, it's just, it's funny. It's just funny. Yeah, it's but, just, and the bad guys of this movie are kind of a great little element because they immediately kill somebody. Like, they, they're very, when we'll get into this, they shoot anybody or anything. But they're also funny yeah. and like, it's, it, the, the, these are four good characters yeah. in this, in this movie. Um, so they mow the guy down. Yeah, stab him. She's freaking out. They grab her. They obviously are looking for something. They yeah. grab all their bags. They they throw the guy they stabbed into the trunk of the car. Mm. They grab the. They're about to do it with her, but she uh, bites the guy's hand. Right, or something she does something. Like, yeah. So she bites the guy's hand and run, you know takes off through the airport parking uh, garage. She's running through this. So now we have a chase scene. She, and it's cutting between the chase scene and just Jeff Goldblum's blank face just deciding what to do. There's a lot of good cop... What's the word I'm looking for? Edits, cuts. Ed, uh, edits, but it's where like action is happening and non-action is happening. Right. And I'm, there's a word that I can't think of, but they're going back and forth. It's very, very nice. Juxtaposition. The word I was thinking of was juxtaposition. She hears him start his car. I guess he's changed his mind. He's going to go back home. Yeah. She hears him start his car, and lo and behold, a beautiful blonde woman jumps onto the hood of his car yeah. and jumps into his car, and now he's embroiled in yeah. in this mess with her. You know, the the they have to get out of the parking garage. They've got the the four Iranian bumbling for one of them jumps on and one of them jumps on the hood of his car. And... Yes, yes. He doesn't know what's going on, but now all of a sudden he's thrust into this very exciting right. situation. So they get out of the parking lot, and she's like, will you just take me to the she's boat? Like, well, yeah, she's like, take me home, take, take me home. home. You know, she, he's nice. He wants to help her. He wants to help her go to the yeah. police. She's like, no, 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 no not the home. police. And this is where you first get, I don't know if you caught it. I, I didn't catch it, actually, until last night, and I've seen this movie a hundred times. Uh, when he asked her where to go home, she kind of made a face. And I yeah. never noticed it before that she's like, oh, yeah, where, yeah. Uh, you know. So, yeah, they go to this big yacht. She's just yelling, take me home, take me home. And he's like, where's home? And right. she does, So it's an apparent that she doesn't have a home. Right. So, and she goes, take me to this yacht. Yeah. She goes to this yacht. And this is where we have another cameo. This is a Body by Jake. Yes. And I don't know his real name, but the guy who used to sell the exercise equipment, Body yeah. by Jake. Oh, he was the big celebrity, you know, uh, workout guy yeah. back in the day. Back in so. the day. It was the Jake Steinfeld, right? Jake, yeah, Jake Steinfeld. Whatever his name was. But yeah, the king of the VHS workout tapes. You know, he was pimping equipment. Larry. She's looking, she's looking for a guy named Larry. And she's like... Is Larry there? He's like, no, Larry's not there. Can I at least come on and get my stuff? No, you're Prasada Nangra. He's Larry. He's Larry. No, no. No, you're talking about that. You're her her boyfriend. That's not the the old, the old Richard guy. Farnsworth. That no, Jake Steinfeld's Larry. Okay, 
All right. Jack is Jack is Jack. You're right. Yeah. Richard Farnsworth is Jack. Richard Farnsworth is Jack. All right. So yeah. So let me on the boat, Larry. She was boom. So. But you're right. He's like, nope. You're not allowed on the yeah. boat anymore. You're not even supposed to be here. And she leaves, and he goes back in, and he's got a <laughs> he's got a woman with him. So, gratuitous boobs. Yes. This is such gratuitous nudity. And we're not talking about Jake because Jake takes off his shirt. Right. His I mean, it's a cute little scene, but it's like there's no reason for that scene other than to have gratuitous Bo- boobies. boobs. And. The four bad guys were hiding in the boat. They start ransacking it. One of them puts his hand on the woman's leg. Jake, uh, body by Jake, stands up, and we see off camera him getting, hit, you know. Pissed, yeah, they are ransacking lit. this yacht. And, so that, and this is a running gag through the film where they ransack apartments. Really, the way they they're not going to find the way they're ransacking. They're really not going to find anything. It's I mean, like, they're obviously looking for something that yes. they didn't find, and she's got it. Right. And she knows she's got it. Uh, so now we got to go someplace else. So so now she's like, take me to my brother's My, my brother's house. My brother's, yeah. And we walk into this apartment, and it's... Well, first of all, they pull up in the alley, and these two homeless people go, you can't park there, you're going to get towed. And Michelle Pfeiffer's like, people park here all the time, you're not going to get towed. Parks there, they go up to this apartment. We don't know it's her, we don't know it's her brother's apartment. Right, right. Because we, we walk in, and it's covered... From top to bottom, right. with Elvis memorabilia. Yeah, because I think she just said, take me to Hollywood or something. She didn't specifically say She didn't say, take me to yeah. my brother's apartment. Take me to Hollywood. But yes, every inch of that apartment is covered with Elvis memorabilia, Elvis pictures, Elvis posters. And he's just kind of... But now he's starting to perk up a little bit, too. Because now he's like, what am I? What have I gotten involved yeah. in? <laughs> you know. But he's being a nice guy. And she's like, no, no, no. Stay here. Stay here. Stay with he me. He really wants... He's trying to excuse himself. And she is just like... No, no, stay, stay, stay. She's cleaning up, and we get a nude Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, a little bit of... A little bit of nude. Now, correct me if I'm... Super skinny. Super skinny, but correct me if I'm wrong. She smuggled those things in her vajayjay, right? Yes. Okay. That's, that's where you realize she's got something. We still don't know what it is so, yet, but her first chance to get it out, there's this awkward, like... There's this awkward... Facial, facial shot of her extracting something. Yes. It's so, all it's all from like the shoulders up, but you can tell she's in the bathroom removing something. something. She's removing something from her vajayjay. Yes. Her brother comes home, and her brother <laughs> is an Elvis impersonator. A gay Elvis no. impersonator. They were a couple. No. They were a couple. No, I don't think they're. I couple. I definitely think they were. A I couple. felt like that was her. I felt like that was like his like. Wig guy. No. Nope. Oh, I, I think, think they're a couple. Oh, that's interesting. I thought they were a couple, and I was, it was not like, oh, I'm, you know, here's my brother, he's gay. I thought it was a very nice scene, and that's the way I interpret it is that. That's funny. I thought they were a gay couple, but it's not, he's not hitting you over the head. It's well, just like. Well, it's, it's big enough that her brother's an Elvis impersonator. Yeah. That's, you know. And. Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill from Animal House. House. Yep. Another John Landis. And every other and movie. And every other movie. Yes, but yes. Most, I believe, most famous for D-Day and Animal House. And MacGyver, I guess MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, excellent character actor. And he's pissed off at Michelle Pfeiffer. And he tells her to get out. And they leave. And um, yeah, she doesn't have a great relationship with her brother because you're getting to see now at this point that she's she's kind of a sketchy character. She is a sketchy character. You know, there's obviously something wrong. People, she's, she, you know, he, he she owes her brother money. She obviously he says, I, I work for my money. I don't have everything given to me. Right. 
so it's led to believe that she's sort of the you know when, when Jeff Goldblum's waiting for her, he's flipping through a model's portfolio. So mm-hmm. at one point you see she was a model. Um, th- there's some real, I think, real Michelle Pfeiffer modeling pictures Probably. from her younger days in there. But you could tell that this is obviously some kind of a girl. This was after Scarface also. Oh, yeah. So this is, you could tell this is some girl who had been a model, but maybe somehow got involved in some kind of other wild life, or she was somebody's mistress. Which or, she was. And she obviously is involved in something illegal now. And, mm. um, yeah, so, so there's something going on with her. And she's uh, she's not like Little Mary Sunshine. I mean... You know. No, she had like a fifty-five thousand dollars car, and apparently he gave it away or he rented, rented, it, rented it, to it to somebody. Yeah, and he's like, "When I get, we're going out." Because I, I swear they were a couple. Because he's like, "We're going out. I want you gone when we get back." And then the, his partner picks in. Are you driving a yellow Toyota, whatever it was? And he's like, "Yes." And he goes, "I thought so." What the car's towed? Yeah, of car's course. towed. Yeah, no surprise. No surprise. And at this point, Jeff Goldblum's like, uh, I got to get out of here. It's like, I'm going to call a cab. And she's like, just stay with me. And he's like, no, I'm going to call a cab. And then he walks out front. And then the four guys are there at his at her brother's apartment. So the brother and his friend are going out. Uh, but they So Michelle Pfeiffer steals her brother's car, which is a big Cadillac. Elvis lives. If they're go, What did they go out in? If they left... Why wouldn't, why didn't take, they take his car to go out? Unless it was just a work car. Right, right, Maybe right, that right. was it. Maybe he just used it for work. Right, right. But they, but Michelle Pfeiffer steals his, her brother's car, which is this big white, you know, Cadillac. Elvis lives on the side and. It's like the most non-unobtrusive car yeah. you could be driving. It's pretty darn noticeable. Yes. He's got her ducking down. He gets past the four guys, and she's like... Yeah, you kind of see the first little glimmer of... He faces, literally faces the guys head-on to get out of the driveway. They're blocking the garage, so they can't get out. And Jeff Goldblum pulls up, and he honks a horn, which a normal person would do. Right. A normal person wouldn't know that these guys are psycho killers, and... They thought maybe they're just waiting for somebody, and they move the car. Because they they don't know who he is. They don't know who he is at this point. John Landis gets a good look at him at this point. Yes. So this is the point. John Landis is in the car, and he turns, and he sees Jeff Goldblum. So now he knows what he looks like. And they let him out, and she's like, there's this other person I can go to. And they drive to a movie set. Yes, yes, because now she's thinking, like, okay, who's the next person I could... She's going down the list of people she knows. Right. And the next one is her her friend who's an actress. Catherine Harold is playing this kind of, you know, bimbo actress. Bimbo actress. actress it's a, that's a nice transition, too, because they transition into, you know, we've, we've had our gunmen, we've had our guys, and then the next transition is all these beauty queens running mm-hmm. out of a... Like a hotel or mm-hmm. something with guns blazing, and then you realize, oh, it's the it's set of a TV show. TV show, yeah. And and at this point, Michelle Pfeiffer is like, okay, well, I'm here, I'm good, you can go. Well, she used him for as long as she needed him. I think because she thinks she's going to be able to pass off her contraband to this person. No, no yeah, I, no, yeah, I think she thinks she's safe now. So right. I, you're no longer needed because I'm. <laughs> that's the, and Jeff Goldblum's like, okay, and he. He tries to find a phone. 
There's a nice run there of the fact it, it, it's really like if you want to get into the deep symbolic meaning of it at all, there's a really nice d- directorial touch. That I think, all Hollywood or, is fake. Yeah, everything, everything he everything touches on his movie say he leans against the wall, the wall falls over. He he it's, sits on a rock, the rock yeah. breaks. You know, but it also is a little bit of like, what is real? What is reality? Is yeah. is my my nine to five job reality mm-hmm. or is this reality and you know, so there's a nice little there's a nice little message. This movie across the board, almost every person he encounters is not 100 percent good. Like everybody's got a little bad element in right. it. From Dan Aykroyd telling him to get a hooker mm. to the people, to, well, to his wife having to an his, affair, to his wife, to to mean almost literally every person they've encountered has got some like nefarious aspect of their personality. This movie, the movie is. Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer. They basically go from character to character to character. Yeah, it really. No character is in this movie for more than ten minutes. You rarely ever see anybody come back again. Larry, no, Larry Jake Steinfeld is Larry the bodyguard comes back later, but rarely once you've encountered somebody, you do and not she, see them. And she, this actress, and her boyfriend come back. Yes, for a critical scene. But for the most part, once you, once somebody is met. They may come back for a little bit, but nobody is in this movie besides Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer for more than maybe 10, 15 minutes. The bad guys have a running, right. know, are running through the movie. But for the most part, you, d- right. you don't get attached to a character because you're not going to see him for very long. Exactly. Exactly. She's hoping her friend can get her... Uh, no, she's hoping her friend will let her stay with her and her boyfriend. Yes. And she says, no, I guess her boyfriend doesn't like her or knows of her shady past or whatever. But she gives whatever it is she's smuggling, she gives to her friend. And put in this hidden pocket of her coat. A hidden pocket of this big, giant blue down coat. And that's where we see another, that's where we see another direct, by by the way, by this point, we've already seen a couple of John Landis's director friends with cameos. Mm. This is a pretty big one. Paul Mazursky. Paul Mazursky. Plays this actress's uh, boyfriend, uh, boyfriend, but he's also like some kind of a studio executive. She's sleeping with him to get these parts, I think. I I, I felt they had a general, genuine relationship. I felt like they had a pretty genuine relationship. Mm. But yeah, it's definitely like high profile studio exec and young, you know, actress. And um, what was I going to say? So, yeah. So, uh, he seems like he's fond of her. Like, hey, he welcomes I think her. That, I think that was fake just for, for her friend. Yeah. Because they go to, she's like, go to his office and you can use the phone. And she tries to call Jack. Jack's wife answers. And Michelle Pfeiffer is shocked. It's like, well, she hasn't been around for years. And then Jeff Goldblum goes to call for a cab and this... Uh, PA comes in and says, you got to leave. And it's like, no, no, we're friends. It's like, no, no. He came, he told me specifically to throw you out. Right. Right. So they leave. And now she's like, okay, there's one other person, the next person on the list. There's one person I can go to. And I, I can't remember who this person, I know who it is, but I don't, what, what was the connection of her? Is this where they go to the hotel? Yes. Well, they want to see, is it Hamid? She's trying to get Hamid. with Hamid. So she, but she's got to do this whole like weird like way to see him. Like she can't go to him directly. She can't go to him directly so they because the they're Beverly. afraid that she's going to be recognized. Right. I mean, he's somehow connected maybe to these people. That, right. Um, so he is connected to these people. Right, 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 right. So they go to the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. 
Right? Isn't this when they go to the Beverly Wilshire Hotel? He goes. No, she goes to the... They go to the hotel, and she's like... She's going to wait in the ladies' room. I'm going to wait in the ladies' room. Tell this person that I need to talk to him. Here is the number to the phone in the ladies' room, and here's this card to get in. It's a... Exclusive. It's, it's Jack's business card, I think, is what gets him in the door. Yeah, it's it, you know, like you're a friend of Jack. Okay, yeah. you get in. See, we and we haven't met Jack. We yet. haven't met Jack, but Jack is a big guy. So we go there and we meet Carl Perkins, <laughs> which I love. By the way, how old do you think Carl Perkins was in this movie? You're gonna be shocked when I tell you this. Seventy-five. No, he's like my age. He's fifty-four years 54. old. Fifty-three years old. Carl Perkins lived to like 1998 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I thought Carl Perkins was like 75 years old playing Hamid's, <laughs> you know, assistant or bodyguard, bodyguard or whatever. And yeah, Jeff Goldblum's got to go through Carl Perkins. And if you don't know who we're talking about, Google it. He's rock and roll history. Yes. Uh, Sun Records. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about Elvis, you talk about talk Carl, about, Carl yeah. Perkins. There's that famous picture of him, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, and Elvis. Yeah. At Sun Records. He's like 54 years old, but he's got the world's worst toupee yeah. in this he he always had later in years, but yeah, he's playing kind of this badass uh, Las Vegasy kind of um, bodyguard to this guy Hamid. So he's got to get through him to to Jeff Goldblum's got to get through. Well, him. he does he does get through him to Hamid, and he says she's she's in trouble. Here's the number where she's going to be reached, and he has to use the phone. And who do they kick off the phone? Jim Henson. Jim Henson. Yeah, another cameo. So they kick Jim Henson off the phone. He calls her, and the part of the plan was once Jeff Goldblum gives this answer, he's going to go to this certain spot and she's going to pick him up. By the way, speaking of Jim Henson, this is the, I was reading, this is the second movie where uh, John Landis works in an airport page for Frank Oz. Oh, he does? Yeah, so if you listen, every, if you ever watch it again, um, listen and they page Frank Oz. They, uh, like, they say Frank Oz or Kowski, whatever Frank Oz's yeah. full last name is, but there's another John Landis movie where they do that as well. So while all this is happening, we see flashbacks of the four guys getting new suits. Yeah, well, simultaneously. Simultaneously, not yeah. flashbacks, but simultaneously. Yeah, yeah yes. they're, they're like drinking champagne and they've got pretty girls they got with them. Girls. And they're shopping in the, the suit store at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Right. And John Landis sees Jeff Goldblum outside and... And he doesn't say anything. It's all grunts. And, and he grabs his gun and he tries to get the doors are locked. And they're about to shoot the doors. And the owner's like, no, no, no. And let unlock, me unlock the door. Unlock the door. These guys are very like shoot first, ask questions shoot for, later. A couple, and we're going to get to that with a couple of. <laughs> but yeah, John Landis that runs out in his boxer shorts because he's getting a suit. He's getting a, so he's got this half tuxedo on and his boxer shorts on. And they run out and. Jeff Goldblum is gone because he didn't. Jeff Goldblum was just taking a walk to where they, he has to meet Michelle Pfeiffer. So he's standing there and he closes his eyes, and then all of a sudden we hear David Bowie. David Bowie is working for another person. Yeah, uh, the Frenchman. Yes, David Bowie is obviously another person after whatever it is that Michelle Pfeiffer pulled out of her vajayjay, as you put it. But well, this point we know, because we, we forgot to mention, at one point, Jeff Goldblum says, if I'm going to help you, let me oh, know what's going on. that's right. So she explains that she has stolen these six emeralds. Or, no, she's not stolen, but six emeralds were stolen. That's right. She has told him this. Long story short, her and this guy went to Zurich to get them. 
out of a safety deposit box and they came back and that's when Hasi and that's when the shit hit the fan. So we know that it's six emeralds yes. that she has that she has given to her friend that are now that is now in her friend's coat. David Bowie thinks Jeff Goldblum is another operator. Right. You're very good. You're really very good. I'm amazed we've not met before. I beg your pardon? I've been watching you ever since you left Capers Yacht. Very impressive. I am? Stop performing now, Ed. If that's your name. <laughs> I don't, what are you talking about? Okay. I represent <laughs> Monsieur Mavie, and uh, I can assure you that he can be far more reasonable than the Savard. The Savard? Shall secret, please. Death Squad. Iranian Gestapo. Shaheen's boys. Shaheen's boys. <laughs> I like you, Ed. I do like you. You're very good. The stones. What? Where are the stones? I can't help you. We do understand each other, don't we? Oh. I don't know. Impressive. I'm sure we'll chat again. And he ends up putting a gun. I thought he was sort of humoring him, though. Like, that he was talking to him that way where he was sort of humoring him. I don't think so, because later, when they run into the Frenchman, he said, uh, you know, David Bowie said that you are very, very good. Oh, okay. so That's true. Like, and now, so this is one of those things where he puts a gun in Jeff Goldblum's mouth, and Jeff Goldblum, very, he doesn't... He, he, he's pretty calm. He's pretty calm about it. The police come around the corner, and David Bowie's like, you know, very good. He thinks that he is arranged for the police to come. And I guess if you're a secret agent, every, you're going to be super paranoid that everything, everything happens for a reason. Nothing happens by happenstance. And the police start questioning him. And at that moment, Michelle Pfeiffer comes driving up and is like, is my husband bothering you? And they get in the car. And she's relaxed now because she feels um, her friend... What's his name? Hamid. Hamid said he's going to take care of everything. I'm like, great. Because she realizes it's her aunt, Hasi's aunt is the one. The guy, who the the guy that she went to Zurich with, it was her aunt. These are who his, these his aunt. These are who these people work for. Yes. And she is big up in the mobster. Right, right. Mobster food chain. Big, yes. big, uh, big name. Yes. So he's going to take care of that for her, uh, for him. For her, him? Anyway, she's relaxed. They're going to go to his apartment, and she's going to see him. So they go to his apartment. She's like, I, you know, Jeff Goldblum's like, I guess this is the end of the line. Good luck. And she gets out, and she kisses him, and she goes up to his apartment. And Jeff Goldblum now has a chance to leave, and he doesn't because he's worried about her. Like, Rightfully I, so. I mean, nothing's gone right yet. Nothing's gone right, but this is, you know, this is a regular person. It's just like, I'm, I'm out. I've had a gun in my mouth. I've had people shoot at me. It's the most exciting thing he's had happen to him in a while. Yes, now, and that's what's happening. I think he's getting a little addicted to yes. what's happening. And he goes up to the apartment, and he walks in. We hear people talking, <laughs> and it's Abbott and Costello 
Meet Frankenstein. On the TV. On the TV. So once again, this is another juxtaposition of Jeff Goldblum quietly searching through the apartment. You hear and see these scenes. Check! You know, you see Bud Abbott, you know, you see Lou Costello running from Dracula. Check! Check! And you see that he's yes. running from the Wolfman. I used to love those movies, by the way. Like on Saturday <coughs> afternoon. I still love those when movies. When those movies would yeah. be on. Oh my gosh, I love those movies. Jeff Goldblum goes into the bedroom and Hasin, is that his name? Hamid. Hamid, I'm never going to remember that. Hamid and two women have had their throats slit. Yes, yes. And David, and uh, Carl Perkins is there with a knife in his chest. A knife stuck in his chest, yes. And then we cut to David Bowie has Michelle Pfeiffer behind a curtain with a yes. knife to her throat. Yes, so somehow David Bowie got there faster than they did. Yes. Jeff Goldblum goes to inspect Carl Perkins and he does... Ah, oh, yeah, Carl, Carl Perkins is like faking him out. He's like fake, de- yeah. fake dead or whatever. And David Bowie comes out from behind the curtain, and and Carl Perkins pulls the knife out of his chest because he's because he's supposed to be this like badass guy. Yeah. So him and David Bowie get into this knife fight, and during the scuffle, Jeff Goldblum gra- grabs Michelle Pfeiffer, and they leave. So it's basically like we're gonna let these two knuckleheads, we're let these two knuckleheads fight it out. And I was so super surprised that they didn't go over the balcony. Right. I, I I was like, that's because the four bad guys pull up outside, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna come fall off the balcony and fall on top oh, of their car. Right. Doesn't exactly. happen. Now, if, you, if you don't even want to watch this movie, go to YouTube and just put in David Bowie, Carl Perkins fight, yeah. and you at least watch the three minutes of that. That's that's good. And uh, so they go to open, they go to the elevator, and the doors open, and this guy with two dogs, and the dogs are like, and they they're shocked and they run away, and the right. guy's like, oh, they're nice dogs. Right now they're spooked by everything, you know. Remember that. Yes. So they're running down the stairs, <laughs> and the bad guys are coming up in the ele- or going are going up or something going up in the elevator. So they press the elevator button, the doors open, the dogs bark at them, and they shoot them. Yes, and it's I don't think you could get away with that in a movie today. <laughs> they just blatantly shoot these dogs, and they go up, and Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer they run down, and and they run out. Uh, John Landis is downstairs, so he sees them. These guys are kind of bumbling idiots. They're like, bumbling they're idiots. They're not very effective henchmen. They're, yes. After all the after all this is said and done, they end up in a diner. Yes. So they escape David Bowie. They escape the four henchmen, and now they're they have a quiet moment at a diner. And you and just as a filmmaker, you've got to have that. Like you've got to have. It can't be all like action, 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 action. Right. You've got to have some. You've got to have a chance for the audience to be like, okay, yeah. I gotta catch my breath. Okay. And it's a nice, the chemistry between those two are. Yeah, it's good. It's it is nice, good chemistry. And it's not sexual chemistry at this point. I think because he's still, he's still talking about his wife. And then she brings up Frank about how he was, she was his mistress. Jack. Jack, whatever his name is. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's there's something there. Like the chemistry is good there. But yeah, they're basically getting to know each other on a little bit more personal level rather right. than just running from people shooting at them. So after the diner, they go back to the brother's apartment. It's been trashed. Right. And in the brother's apartment is the French guy and his two men. That's right. That's right. God, how can I not remember that? Yes. So now they're captured by the French guy. And he is just... 
he's just somebody else. And David Bowie worked for the French guy. And he was just somebody who wants the six emeralds. Yes. So they're captured. And then we cut to her girlfriends, uh, Paul Mazursky and his girlfriend. They arrive home, I guess, after a night shoot. Right. To his house. They enter the house. And there's birds in the house. And they're named Larry, Curly, and Moe. So we have the Three Stooges, and we uh, we have a Three Stooges reference. Yes. And we have Abbott and Costello in this movie. And they're getting, you know, they're going to get all kinky. They're getting ready to have sex, and they knock at the door, and it's the four... The four Iridian... The four bumbling henchmen. Yes. They walk in the door, the birds squawk, and they shoot the birds. Anything that surprises Anything them... Anything that makes them jumpy or yes. scared, yes. They shoot them. So, of course, the... They think that the diamonds, the emeralds are there. Which they are. Which they are, but neither of them know. Michelle Pfeiffer just gave her friend something, and she just said, I'll put it in here. She didn't say what it was. And those guys, these guys, I don't even think they speak English. They can't ask. Now, I guess maybe that's why they always trash the room. They they don't speak English, so they can't ask what, you know, what they're, what they want. So they've tied him up. She escapes. And this gets kind of uh, dark. She escapes, runs... To the beach, it's dark and funny at the same time. Right, right. They run. She runs out into the ocean. All the four henchmen run up to the edge, and then they start taking their guns out and taking and their, their shoes, shoes off, off and taking their socks. All off. the while, two neighbors are like, "Oh, look, look at, at that. that!" And then they're like, "Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah." And they drown her in the ocean. Yeah, which which again seems a little like, but been better to keep her alive because mm. she knew where mm-hmm. she had stuck something in her coat. Well, so, so it is good that they work in for the neighbors to call the police because that's how the police show up right. at the beach house. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer and Jeff Goldblum are in this limo with the French guy. Give me the emeralds. So they're going to her and house. And somehow it seems better for, I guess, for some reason to give them to him than Shaheen. Well, no, uh, he's going to kill him anyway. He is, but I mean, at least, you know, they're, they're she's trying to get him to go to the beach house because she's got to get the coat because the stones, the... Mm-hmm. Emeralds are in the pocket of the coat. And she doesn't know any of what's gone on already until she gets to the house. Right. And Paul Mazursky's all freaked out and the police are already there. And you could and they're not this, expecting to see the police there when no, they get there. They're not expecting to see. So they pull up and they send Michelle Pfeiffer over to get the diamond or the emeralds. And at this point, all fake facade of liking Michelle Pfeiffer is out the door. He's just like, get out, you know, he doesn't even want to hear. But they never tell her that she's dead. She, it's like she's not here. That's the first weird part. And she's like, I'm just here to pick That's up my true. coat. That's true. They never do say they that. Never, they, they never say they killed her or No. Anything. And I don't know if he doesn't know. That's true. Or, but uh, anyway, they have to know. But she's like, that's my coat. Never in a million years would a police officer let a piece of evidence Leave right. a crime scene. Right. Never in a million. And it's like, I, always, I know it's small and I know it's nitpicky, no. but never in a million years would any competent police officer let anything leave a crime scene. Right. Like, I'm so sure her story of like, oh, well, she told me to come by and get my coat. I'm just coming to buy to get my coat. Oh, well, I'm sure that's perfectly innocent. Take your coat. And they give it to her. They're yeah. like, they give it a basic shakedown, but it's like, ah, yeah, here, take your coat. And the police officer outside says, we're going to need some information, ma'am. And she's like, oh, yes, great. But could you walk me to my car? This is pretty smart, yeah. I think, on the, uh, you know, the writing. The pretty smart little thing. She she realizes, I've got a police escort. I yeah. can get us right and there's out a t- of here. It's not just one. There's a bunch of police here. Yeah. Um, and she walks the police over. 
And she gets everybody out of the car. Yeah, she's very calmly like, come here, come here, come meet Officer So-and-so. Yeah. And these are my friends, and they're visiting. No, these were, yeah, yeah. he's visiting, and these people work for me. And, yes, yes. And basically, she and Jeff Goldblum steal their car and drive off and leave them there, and they, and they can't do anything with all the police around. So it was, it was very smart writing. So now, now she's got the emeralds again. Now we go to Jack's house. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so then they go to Jack's house and they, but they've got to hide, they've got to there's hide a, out until there's the a night. secret entrance into yeah. Jack's house that she's yeah. known, she knows about, and they it's sneak like a in tunnel. a tunnel, and she's like, "Well, there's gardeners and help here all during the day. We're gonna have to wait till night." And Jeff Goldblum's like, "It's noon," and she falls asleep. Yeah, they're sitting in this little like garden gate tunnel thing, yeah. and she's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna catch some Z's and." I love how he wakes her up. Like, he, like, completely scares the crap out yeah. of her to wake her up. He puts his hand over yeah. her mouth to wake her up. But he basically is like, she's like, what, what? He said, I've been sitting here nine hours watching you sleep. Yeah. It's nighttime now. And she's like, wow, I really conked out. Like, so she's got all this stuff happening to her. And she mm. falls asleep, no problem. But he's still awake. He's still wide awake. He's still wide awake sitting there. I was like, didn't they have to go to the bathroom? Like, what yeah, I'm sure he. I'm, I, I'm sure he stepped out to go to the bathroom, <laughs> or probably went out and got something to eat too. It's like, <laughs> so um, yeah, so now we get to meet Jack, and it is Richard Farnsworth. Yeah, this is really good casting, yeah. good character actor. Well, and another one's coming up. His wife. Yes. So. Yep. 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 And you can see he's happy to see her. She's happy to see him. She's surprised he's sick. She doesn't know he's sick. So she, at all this time, she thinks Jack has kicked her out of his life. It hasn't been Jack. It's been his wife. Yes. His wife has sort of you know, taken control of everything with Jack being sick. Right. And his wife walks in, and his wife is uh, Vera... Uh, Vera Miles. Vera Miles. Uh, Psycho. Yes. Famous for Psycho and Psycho. I mean, famous for lots of things, but yeah, she was in Psycho. She comes in and plays the bitch... Bitch wife. We see Larry she's, again. Yeah, the Larry's again. Now, now Larry's got a brace around his neck. He's, he's, he's his, been, his jaw's wired. Yeah, he's been beat up by he's the... He's been beat up, yeah. What happened was she left, but she found out he was sick, so I guess she came back just to, you know... Well, he says she's taken, instead of shopping, she's taken an interest in estate planning, so she's figuring I better be here when he kicks off, so... Right. I can make sure everything's mine. So Exactly. Getting rid of the mistresses. The, I mean, apparently Jack used to be quite the partier if you take into account all these clubs and people he used to know and right i guess he and michelle pfeiffer had kind of a, a fun freewheeling lifestyle uh well from what from what i gather I, I don't think the wife was in the the wife was in the picture when they were a, when we were they were together right I, th- I feel like she was like off in europe or something and i do you i think get, she was just you know living off of his money and she didn't really care you get the you get the definite sense that uh they have a mutual diana and jack that they have a mutual affection for yes, each other they they genuinely care. now he is incredibly older than she is and calls her peach calls her peach yeah yeah but you could tell they he genuinely was fond of her she was genuinely fond of him and uh so it's nice nice scene nice moment you know he's gonna help her the best way he can he gives her advice on how to deal with shaheen shaheen is the um the cousin of the the guy that got killed at the airport yes um, but she's the big um, uh, maternal uh, crime boss. She's right. The, she's the lady that's the head of this. She and she's wants to buy this building or this plot of land. Escrow is going to close, and she needs the money. 
And Jeff Goldblum was like, this is all about a real estate deal? It's very it's very diehard, right? Where it's like, this is just a robbery, or, you know? Or I was thinking of Superman. Yes. Superman was Lex Luthor. It was all about real estate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he was but thinking like of some it, big... Yeah. Some big international... Nope, it's all about real estate. It's all about land. <laughs> yep. So it all comes down to it. When it really all comes down to it, all this mess, all this commotion, all these people getting killed and shot at, it's because she's trying to get money for a building she wants to get in yeah. L.A. Yep. And um, Frank... Jack. Jack. <laughs> he says, have her buy... Don't just give it to her. Don't just give it to her. Have her buy. She'll respect that. So they take two of his cars. Yes, yeah, he says, take whatever cars you want. Take, so they send Jeff Goldblum to see her with three of the stones. Michelle Pfeiffer is going to hide the other three. And Jeff Goldblum gets there and he says, we just want $25,000 for the stones. And she's baffled. She's like, what's the catch? She's like, no, no catch. $25,000? The, the, these henchmen have a nice little... They keep yeah. they keep shooting. The four of them are sitting there like dogs or kittens or something watching this whole thing. They're eating pistachios. Yeah. They bring out some... I think it's called halava. He's yeah. trying to break this like hard candy with the end of his gun. Yeah. You know, uh, and they're just eating and mm -hmm. watching this whole transaction. She's got her daughter who probably works with her and like mm -hmm. another, you know, assist. It's all very formal and, and, um, and Jeff Goldblum sort of loses it for a minute. He goes a little wacky there. It's like, she's like, what's the catch? And he goes through all these scenarios of what's going on. That's right. I'm Jack's son. His son? Illegitimate, but someday it'll all be mine. You and I might be doing business, going out to lunch. No, all right, okay, fine. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Diana's CIA. I'm on Her Majesty's Secret Service. We've got the place around. I'm really from immigration. We thought you might have some illegal aliens working around here. What are you playing at? I apologize. I've been lying. I'm actually the chairman of the committee to re-elect the president. So I was hoping for a substantial contribution. You are mad. No, you don't know what to believe, do you? Look, either you've already lost everything or you have to take a chance on me. Neither of us have much to lose. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer calls and says, look, let him go and you'll get the other three. Let him go pay us. So she gives him $25,000. Yeah, he says, she says, well, why are these three? He says, good faith. I'm here in good faith. Yeah. You know? So he goes to the airport and they're going to catch a plane to Mexico City. And he gets there just as they're boarding, and she calls. She calls her. Yeah, because the plan was we get away, we'll let you know where the other three, the three are. are. And so she decides to do it now before they leave the airport right. as opposed to waiting She just to wants Mexico. to get it over with. They get on the plane, mechanical damage. Yeah, something. Something so, happened, quote unquote. They have to get off the plane, and when they get off the plane, there's our four there's henchmen. There's our again. four henchmen. That's back in the day when you could actually when just you could go to the stroll gate. through the airport yes. freely. So they're strolling through the airport. The but obviously Shaheen did something to stop the plane to right. get them off the plane. Like did something. She pulled some strings. And they get they're walking through the airport and then the Frenchman shows Yeah, they up. both see the Frenchman and are like, uh, Oh man, they're like with uh, his two guys. Yes. And his two guys get behind two of the four Iranian Frenchmen, guys, yeah. Iranian guys, and stab two in the back. 
And then this gunfight starts. Then all of a sudden, there's a bunch of other people. Oh no, FBI! Yeah, the FBI. The FBI there. shows up. Yeah, Clue Culliger. Clue Culliger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a bunch of all of a sudden, people are you know uncovering baby strollers and yeah, yeah they get up from wheelchairs. And, you know, yeah, they've got guns. So everybody's everybody's been watching them. Everybody gets shot. All the bad guys get shot. John Landis has a stupendous uh, death scene. Bonnie and Clyde gunning down on a bunch of playboys. Yes, at, at, yes. it's a magazine at, rack. At, a, at a newsstand. He gets spectacularly gunned down. And every except for one of the Iranians, and she, and he has Michelle Pfeiffer at gunpoint. It's a big standoff. It's a big standoff, and then Jeff Goldblum just. So Jeff Goldblum takes matters into his own hands and just looks the guy in the eye and shares kind of the ennui of his life, <laughs> just his. Just his dissatisfaction, his, and I, it's an interesting scene. You tell me what you think, but I, it's almost like he's sharing this with them. And maybe the guy doesn't understand the language, but he gets like the general sense. Uh, I mean, ennui is a good word, but yeah. he gets the general sense of just Jeff Goldblum basically pours his heart out to this guy of, why can't I sleep? Why is my <laughs> wife fooling around with me? You know, look at you, big guy with a gun, yeah. like da da da. And you get the sense that he understands and realizes, like, there's no way out. Right. So he shoots himself in the head and Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. gets to go. Right. But a part of me feels like, did he understand him? Like, I'm living a lie, too. I'm going to, you know, like, I don't know. I felt there was this moment where he understood him. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and, if he didn't understand the language, he understood, he like, understood the, sen the sentiment. The sentiment. And he shoots himself in the face and blood sprays all over Michelle Pfeiffer and Jeff Goldblum. And the FBI usher them away into a Ramada Inn. <laughs> yeah, he goes, are we dead? And he goes, no, when you, when you die, you don't go to the Ramada, Ramada Inn. And I've realized at this point, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer has had a shower. Jeff Goldblum has not had a shower. She hasn't had a shower yet. She, you think she took a shower at her brother's. Well, she washed she her face. She changed clothes and washed her face. Well, okay, so. Because I thought about that, too. I was like, why does she get two showers and he never gets yeah. any? But I realized she only gets the one shower. Uh, so they're probably both pretty rank at this time. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too. They're in L.A. They're running They haven't the brushed place. their teeth. It's, right. Yeah. Right. They, yeah, they've slept in a tunnel. They, yeah. They're yeah. pretty. They're both pretty rank at this point. Right. Right. She's got blood all over the side of her head. And, and, uh, and Koo Gulliger. Sends out all the other FBI dudes. This is another example of you really can't tell is somebody a good guy or a bad guy. Because mm. he even says, like, are we in trouble or, or what? Or what? And he said, I think you're in the or what, what? category. And he dumps $750,000 on the bed. That has been bestowed upon them by Jack. Yes. Somehow Jack. Has Somehow Jack has gotten the FBI involved. He and says, I don't know why. I don't know who, but I'm supposed to give you this money. Jeff Goldman goes, is it all this for us? And Clue takes a couple. Shoves, he's like, oh, you got He takes about $2,000 and sticks it in his pocket. Yeah. To, I was trying to figure out how much money is because it looks like it's packs of hundreds. So he probably took about, I don't know, $5,000. He took four packs. Yeah, two, stuck so. them in his pockets. And he's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to tell him? Gonna... And he says, stay in this room for 24 hours. You're free to go. You're on your own. We forgot, while this is happening, Shaheen has gone to the flower market where Michelle Pfeiffer hid the... Hid the rest of the stones on a bouquet of roses. She said, "There's an order waiting for you at the at the flower market." Right. So she says, "There's an order waiting for you." But they get there and they start trashing. So I guess that's just how they work. 
Right. Because they had the information. All she had to do was say, I'm so-and-so, where are my flowers? Well, it was. They gave her that big stack of flowers. Those were all those. Oh, those were all for hers. I thought it was one. Okay. No, 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 no. It was that whole big thing of flowers. Yeah. All right. Then I misunderstood. Yeah. And they find him, and they're walking out, and they end up getting arrested. And she's known. Like, the police are very polite to her. Like, Mrs. Parvisi, that's Shaheen's name, Shaheen Parvisi. You know, you need to come with us. I mean, she's trying to be very like, oh, what's all this devotion about? You know, not the fact that she's been chasing down this woman for two days. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, she gets arrested and we don't ever see her. We again. ever see her again. Right. Uh, we cut back and Michelle Pfeiffer is taking a shower and Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> oh, well, we didn't mention Cal Worthington. This is like a running gag in the movie too. Is when he is the Cal Worthington car salesman. Oh car yes, we forgot. So yeah. yes, so all through the the movie we see these local car commercials. But they used to have them here too. I don't know if you lived here then. I did. They used to show back in the eighties Cal Worthington spots. There must have been a Cal Worthington dealership here. Mm-hmm. But I remember they used to show them back in the eighties. But yeah, Cal Worthington and his dog Spot, and it was always some animal, a giraffe, a pig, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or he, you know, he'd be, they'd show him flying on a bi, bi, what are they called? The biplane. Biplane. And he would, you know, it, 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 before match, if you're from Texas, you know, Mattress Mac, it's, but it's your, it's your local over the top pitch guy, right? you know, local car guy. And these commercials are just peppered through the movie. Yeah. And it seems like whenever he turns the TV on, like he's staring at the TV and there's another Cal Worthington commercial mm-hmm. in the hotel. He turns on the TV. That's what's on. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, what's the, the joke about like, um, oh, the last time I turned on the TV, like, I love Lucy. Oh, the last time I turned on the TV, that was on, you know, it's just like there, it's just kind of ubiquitous. It's, it's there. So he just lays down on the bed. He lays down on the bed and Michelle Pfeiffer comes out of the shower dressed in a towel and goes to kiss him with his stanky breath and he's asleep. He's snoring. He's finally, he's finally asleep. asleep. And there is a very nice transition of Michelle Pfeiffer. She's pulling her face away from him. And we see a close-up of Jeff Goldblum's face. And then we hear a plane take off. And he opens up his eyes. And he's alone. And he can't find her. You and know. there's sort of that like, oh. You know, like, like oh, she left. Yeah. You know? And he fi- she's left him some money in his pocket. And... And you can t- he's got a he's got stubble, and so he he wanders out. Well, also he slept for however long with his yeah. Hands so his, his yeah he's his arms, about his arms his asleep. arms are going to be asleep. Yeah, yeah. if you I, sleep I, that long with your arms, I was like, how did he sleep that long with his arms behind his head? If you slept, I mean, and honestly, I was going to say, how did he sleep without moving? But if he's right. exhausted, I right? Mean, but he wanders out. He finds a cleaning woman. He's like, do you see this attractive blonde in a red? Oh, she left yesterday. Yeah. He's like, yes. She said, don't disturb you. Don't disturb yes. me. Let you sleep. So he has slept. I, I think he slept an entire day. I think he slept like 24 hours or something. Something. something yeah, like 12 that. hours, 24 hours, 24 hours, something like that. He turns and looks down the hall, and there she is. And she's like, I need a ride to the airport. She's got the big case of all the money. Yeah. She's got a new outfit. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, can I get a ride to the airport? And then it's like, And Aw. then you wait for the midnight hour. <laughs> And it goes through the credits, and these credits are, you get the picture and the name of the person for the most part, I mean, the, the most part of the movie. But it's got a happy ending, you know he's going to go off with her somewhere, and they're going to have some adventure yeah. with their 750 
thousand dollars. Right. You know, I'm surprised there wasn't a sequel. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit too of. Do you remember that movie After Hours? Yes. Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn. Yeah, it's another one of these like you know normal accountant type guy mm-hmm. who gets roped into this like weird underworld or uh, what? Something wild. Yes. Something yes. Something wild. Yep. Yeah, it's always the clean cut guy runs into the. You know the attractive, the quirky, the attractive, quirky, attractive girl. girl who's on the run. Yeah, yeah. So that was Into the Night. Yeah, it's and a fun movie. I, you know, it's so funny. Years ago, I remember seeing this, and it had been a long time since I saw it again. And I had remembered Dan Aykroyd as being one of the FBI agents. I had remembered him being the Clue Culliger part, <laughs> but then when I saw it again, I was like, oh yeah, he's just sort of this nerdy engineer guy, he, aerospace engineer. And I've noticed and. So there's a scene where Dan Aykroyd and Jeff Goldblum are walking next to each other. And yes. and Jeff Goldblum, this is how tall he is, Aykroyd is 6'1". Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum is just towering over him. Well, he's like 6'5 or 6'6". Six, six. Same thing with David Bowie. I always thought David Bowie was tall. And then when you see him standing next to Jeff yeah. Goldblum, he looks short. But that's because Jeff Goldblum is like 6'5 or yeah. something. And I know a couple of scenes, Michelle Pfeiffer had to be standing on something when they're standing next to each right. other. Because... She was like up to his, you know, up to his shoulder, and I and you got to do, you know, the frame it or whatever. So I'm sure there was a couple of scenes where she was standing on an apple box, <laughs> something. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good like romantic, romantic comedy adventure. It's got everything. It's really it's, it, it gets dark at a couple of places. Yeah. I I usually complain about tonal shifts, but this it works in this movie. It, yeah, it's not it's not out of nowhere. Um, like shooting the dog, drowning the friend, shooting the parrot. It's and the and the shooting the dogs and shooting the parrot. That's all done off screen. John Landis it likes movies. He loves movies, so you can tell that's in this as well. Just with like the the Abbott and Costello footage. Yes, naming um, the parrots, Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. Also, and I've noticed that since I've started this podcast, John Landis has directed quite a, quite a few of Dan Aykroyd's movies. If you watch it through the entire end credits, and he does, and he's done this on more than one movie. When in Hollywood, take the Universal tour, ask for Babs, <laughs> and that I've is never noticed that before. It's the final thing right after the credits, That's and in parentheses, ask for Babs, and that is from Animal House. Oh, because at the end of Animal House, they go through, you know, Otter became a gynecologist. That's right. That's right. Babs worked, became a tour guide oh, at Universal that's Studio. That's funny. That's funny. I've never noticed and that. And that's and that's a running gag. And another one of his one. What is it? He does a billboard. See you next Tuesday. Not or see you next Thursday. Something like that. He has, like you said, with the paging Frank Oz. He's got a. He does a lot of hidden things. A lot of Easter eggs in there. That's fun. But yeah, can't recommend this movie enough. Very Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer are perfect together. It's a two-hour movie, but it doesn't feel like a two-hour movie. The only thing with me, it's just keeping track of the characters. There's a ton of characters in this. In but this it's movie. but but so like you said, they don't really come back. So they don't really come you, back. Once you see them, they're... it's not a super complicated. You have to pay attention. It's not a super complicated plot, but you have to pay attention. To, you know who is who. And all this, like we never realize who the French guy. We don't know how the French guy found out about her having the uh, the emeralds. He just shows up and wants the emeralds. And sometimes you don't need a, a lot of explanation. 
But yeah, it's a good, it's a very good movie. I mean, I, I'm a big Jeff Goldblum fan. I think that, I think his character from Jurassic Park, I think Dr. Ian Malcolm is one of like the best characters from like a franchise. I, mm-hmm. I love that character. Um, you know, so it's really great to see. He, there's a certain coolness factor now with Jeff Goldblum now that he's in his, uh, what, 60s, 70s? I guess he's in his 70s. I mean, they had him walk in a fashion show recently mm-hmm. for a designer label. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's just, there's a coolness factor yes. to him. So it's it's kind of cool to see this from uh, an earlier part of his career where he really was starting to become like a bankable uh, movie actor to to nowadays. Yeah, because I think at this point you said she was in Scarface, but that was you know that was Al Pacino. So they were both they were both untested leads at this time, right? And they were still untested after the movie because it, like I said, it. it didn't make any money. It barely made back. So apparently Jamie Lee Curtis was offered this part first because he had, John Lannis had just worked with her in Trading Spaces. Places. Trading Spaces. Trading Places. Yes. Trading Spaces is the home decor show. Yes. (laughs) Trading Places is the movie, the comedy movie. movie. Yeah. With Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, right? Right. So Jamie Lee Curtis had been offered the role, but did, you're going to love this, turned it down. Guess what movie she she turned it down for? 85, uh, Blue Steel. No, but that's, ooh, I wish Jay Arkwright was in Blue Steel. Yeah. That would be a good one to talk about. Perfect with John Travolta. Oh! Now, perfect. Now, that's a guilty pleasure movie. Yeah, that is a guilty, that and is a bad movie. There is not, that, talk about an 80s movie. Boy, oh boy, perfect. It, perfect is all about, it's this Rolling Stone aerobics. It's a weird movie. Yeah. It's weird. Mary Lou Henner's in it. Uh, and Lorraine, Lorraine Newman is in it. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that she, Gave that up to do Perfect instead of this. I don't know. She got a lot of press for Perfect, but that movie was panned like, yeah. widely. Um, so, yeah, interesting. To I always think it's interesting who was originally supposed mm-hmm. to be cast or who turned down the roles. You know, so think about Jamie Lee Curtis and Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. It would have been a totally different yeah. movie. We both highly recommend this movie yeah. if you can find it. Even if you're not a Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer fan, it's a... It's a really good watch. And that's it. So we'll see everybody here next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. Bye. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. But we uh, are going to interrupt the show now for this special announcement. Don't you want to hear what happened? No, not really. Well, it's important, I guess they'll let us know anyway. Ah, smile. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. All right, Mr. No Sleep, I have something for you. What's three miles long and has an IQ of 165? The St. Patrick's Day Parade. Actually, it's the Cinco de Mayo Parade. I can't sleep anymore, Herb. Uh, are you going to be all right? I don't want you nodding at the wheel here. I don't know. We, we can switch. I'm fine. I'm okay. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. My job is a dead end. I feel weird, like I'm from another planet or something. Ellen kissed me on the top of my head this morning and said, have a nice day. Can you believe that? What's wrong with that? bank tellers say have a nice day the cashier at the supermarket says have a nice day i don't know i just think that somehow your wife should say something to you better than have a nice day 
losing your mind, Ed. How long have you had the insomnia? My last good night's sleep? Yeah, the full eight hours. Seems like 1980. Yeah, the summer of 